0: Welcome back, Harvey. Really appreciate you being a part of uh, our program. Uh, This podcast is, uh, you know, when we have uh, you on, (laughs) our uh, local historian on everything, um, we just get great response from our listeners and viewers. So um, these are always enjoyable. And we, you know, we're kind of, uh, we're we're moving into uh, the next phase of, you know, post-legislative session. We're not there yet. We've still got You know, we still got some time, a couple of weeks, um, and then we'll be going into elections. So um, one of the things we want to do is talk a little bit about what's still going on at the Capitol and, uh, you know, how is that going to impact the elections? Maybe talk about we'll talk about maybe some specific things and then even talk about how the presidential election is going to impact. Texas as well. So I think there's a lot of really good stuff to <laughs> talk about today. Just a two-by-four to the side of the head, that's yeah, all. <laughs> exactly. So you and I talked earlier, uh, just kind of talking about some some things that are going on over there. And one of the things we talked about was the process uh, at the Capitol. And you just did a recent article in Quorum Report about this issue. And um, talk to me a little bit about that, because I, I, I wanted to explore that more.
1: Well, the... Generally, you can't really, as a journalist, um, you can opine on outcomes, but uh, frankly, uh, uh, more important than really something that I consider the most significant thing is the process and being loyal to the process. Process makes things predictable, uh, gives everybody access. Uh, people who know the rules typically will trump people who don't know the rules. And, uh, but the bottom line is that the members have to have confidence in the process. There is no process in the Senate, it, and, and to a certain degree that's been the way, that way for a long time. Uh, they have rules, but they everything starts with suspending the rules. Uh, but it's an autocracy over there right now. The uh, Lieutenant Governor Dan Patrick is uh, – uh, Brooks, no dissent, and uh, there's a penalty for dissent uh, even so far as breaking process by having a chairman removed from a significant committee two years ago for publicly disagreeing with him. Uh, which is um, uh, unprecedented. Obviously, nobody is a uh, virgin in this process, and there's always carrots and sticks and penalties and threats, et cetera. But uh, so we we have no real confidence. Nobody in the in the Capitol, frankly, has any confidence in process and and uh, in the Senate. And that was reinforced two years ago, also we had what was so the so-called election integrity bill.
0: Mm-hmm. Uh,
1: the Senate came out with a version. The House changed it. They went to conference committee. Uh, the uh, unprecedented, they did an outside-the-bounds resolution, which means they were going to introduce things that had never been discussed on right. either floor. And in that, uh, uh, as a result, when the conference, uh, conference committee report is non-amendable, there's uh, very few points of order you can do on it. It is a straight up or down vote. Uh, turns out that the conference committee report that came back uh, had two poison pills in it, which was what precipitated the Democrats' bolting and uh, breaking quorum. Um, ultimately, leadership will typically have its way, and a an election integrity bill did pass. In a this is when they went to Oklahoma. No. This, this is, is New Mexico. They, D.C. D.C. OK. Yeah. Okay. You know, the House Democrats. Uh, Thrice. <laughs> Um, and just to, uh, you know, it's a, uh, uh, the joke of course was, uh, they went to, they broke quorum in 2003 right. during That's the right. mid-decade redistricting. Yeah. The house was obviously on a lower budget. They went to Ardmore, Oklahoma. The house, the Senate was on a higher budget when they broke quorum. They went to Albuquerque. Yeah. Um, so now in this case, they, they went to DC, but the bottom line here is that, um, it was bad faith and the presumption now is that you're going to be, uh, you you can't trust the conference committee reports, um, uh, uh, which is actually m- where most legislation is written. The House uh, used to be the in the Wild West uh, back in the eighties. Uh, well, hell, even in as far, as recent as two thousand three, uh, mm-hmm. uh, Elder Statesman John Smithy, then Public uh, uh, Health uh, Public Insurance Chair, um, did a major reform bill. Uh, He leaves on – it's going to come up on Saturday morning. He leaves on Friday night to go to uh, his daughter's graduation in Amarillo, comes back the next day, and there's an entire section missing out of the bill. And uh, he looked at it and he said – told the members, uh, I think that – I I was thinking about just putting – pulling the bill down because obviously the system is corrupt. He didn't say that, but that was the implication. And um, uh, the um, – subsequently, uh, uh, he said – we're, we'll go ahead and pass it because there's some other good stuff in here, obviously. But uh, that that's kind of the paradigm in modern history for um, for messing with the system. When Pete Laney was Speaker, he immediately instituted a whole series of House reforms, rule right. reforms, mm-hmm. which have mostly endured. Uh, but it's been up to Speakers to uh, make sure that they are enforced. And so in the days of Tom Craddock... You knew what the outcome was going to be. The reasoning to get there might be a little tortured. (laughs) But um, uh, Joe Strauss uh, um, uh, re-initiated respect for the rules and process. Um, Dennis Bonin, it was kind of – it was during COVID, so there's – it's a little difficult to be able to tell. But uh, our listeners may recall that uh, former Speaker Bonin was essentially told by his chairman after he was recorded – essentially uh, uh, identifying 10 Republicans that he wouldn't mind being primaried. Right. He had to resign as or not run again as Speaker. Uh, we now have Dade Phelan, who um, – has been in the process for I don't know uh, 20 years it goes back actually goes back to Mark Styles so I guess he's been in the process for oh, 30 really? years yeah he, wow he worked for Styles okay. uh, uh, from Beaumont uh, yeah. ha- a very powerful House member from Beaumont yeah he worked for Senate finance chair um, Tommy Williams so he's not naive about the process and uh, there was a lot of hope imbued in him uh, uh, uh Restoring process or uh, sustaining process. The the reviews are mixed on that. Now, he's a second term speaker. First term, you got to give him a lot of leeway because uh, you're building your team, you're mm-hmm. et cetera. But uh, this second time, um, uh, he, I would give him a B plus maybe on process uh, or a B on process. Um, and as we're nearing the end of the session, uh, there's uh, more. Um, Uh, questions. Uh, uh, There's uh, uh, misrepresentations to the members. The Speaker needs to... Not by the Speaker, but uh, by his chairman. And um, uh, ultimately, that reflects back on the Speaker. And the Speaker's first job is to protect the House, and his second job is to protect the members. And uh, so there's a question right now as a result of this uh, about the integrity of the process. Hmm. So what was the... uh,
0: was there one thing that precipitated the session that precipitated this issue with uh, with all of this, the process questions?
1: The um, there's probably a half a dozen, but uh, the now it makes it really makes a difference because we have hard deadlines coming up. There are actually two that uh, I wrote about. One is um, on the voucher bill. Um, the there's a hard uh, no, a group of hard no's, including rural Republicans who. Uh, cannot be persuaded that it's not going to negatively impact their school districts. Um, uh, we've got like 5.2 million students in the state of Texas and 1.5 million have no access to charter or private schools or anything that uh, this voucher bill would. Uh, and you've got a finite pool of money. So when you divert money to vouchers, then you're taking it away uh, disproportionately from small population rural districts that have enormous transportation issues, et cetera. Uh, so the um, uh, the the committee that the speaker put together was mostly anti-voucher. Um, uh, but the governor is um, uh, started leaning on the chairman and um, uh, calling him up personally. And the closer you get to power, the more seductive it becomes. And in the middle of the day, um, uh, he gets up – the vouchers has – the House had already voted overwhelmingly not to fund – in the appropriations bill, not to vote for vouchers uh, or appropriate any money for vouchers or they call them scholarships. Uh, um, And um, uh, the chairman at that point was telling his members, his Republicans, to vote for the bill prohibiting – or the amendment prohibiting funding vouchers, and then he – voted, he white-lighted, which means he didn't vote yes or no, he showed present present voting. voting. Right. uh, Which started them feeling, why did we walk the plank if uh, our chairman didn't? Uh, Then, uh, I guess about three weeks later, as we know, the governor has been on the road constantly beating the drum. uh, And what started out as saying this was going to be supplemental to uh, public schools, uh, it, it turned into a tirade against public schools the failures of public schools. Now, some of those failures have been manufactured by TEA. So, but that's a whole other story. Texas Education Agency. Uh, yeah, uh, agency. Agency, thank you. Um, so, uh, and, uh, un, unknown to anybody, uh, uh, Chairman Buckley gets up and uh, asks for the rule suspension so the committee can meet and take up an 81-page bill that nobody has ever seen before. And um, the members had lost faith in it um and uh, uh when they started looking well they t- they rejected it i've never seen uh, i've only been doing this since 1989 <laughs> i've never seen a chairman denied uh permission yeah. to com- convene a committee to take up a, a committee substitute um and the deeper you got into the bills the more of an anathema it was to the rural republicans um ironically uh, Republicans would not be in charge of the state were it not for the overwhelmingly Republican vote from rural Texas. So uh, there's a little bit of irony here. Yeah. Same thing uh,
0: happened with the you know the Robin Hood bill. I mean, the same exact scenario occurred because a lot of those districts that would money would be taken out of were also in districts that would all had had schools that would actually benefit from it. So yeah, it's a it's a mixed bag.
1: Right. Um, And uh, in fairness, Buckley is well-liked on the floor for the most part, uh, um, but he's a freshman speaker and – I mean a freshman chairman and they put him in – a freshman – somebody's – the first time they're on as a chair. He wasn't on public ed before. Uh, It's an overwhelming subject, overwhelmingly complex subject and uh, uh, the one rule of thumb historically has always been – you can – mess up any way you want to in the capital, just don't come back with less money for your school district. Yeah. Um, and if you do, then a superintendent is likely to be your opponent the next time around. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> uh, and then the second, uh, not to belabor the point, but this one to me is much more dramatic. And that is Uh, We had the bill uh, banning uh, 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 medical treatments for transgenders, um, and it's very controversial. A
0: gender-affirming
1: bill, I think think it's referred to, right? Yes. Um, And um, uh, it's essentially about um, uh, medical treatment – Pharmaceutical treatments for folks that are in some kind of transition. I don't want to get too much in the details. Yeah. Yeah. very controversial. A um, lot of passion on both sides, uh, but um, uh, it was a must-pass bill for the Republicans. Mm-hmm. They could uh, the uh, all the the manufactured outrage industry on the outside was screaming. They were running ads against uh, the speaker in his district. Uh, there's a lot of money behind this, and. Uh, um, and as long as the Republican primary is the only election that matters, that was going they had to have that vote. Well, there's been lots of points of order on it, legitimate points of order. Um, it was about to come to the floor um, uh, a few days ago, and uh, uh, mysteriously, if you looked at the Texas legislature online log of everything that happened to the bill, uh, it said uh, corrected bill sent to members at 3.30 in the morning for a debate that was going to take place the next day. Uh, the uh, There is no such thing as a bill that can be corrected at that stage in the process without the permission of the House. Well, the House had already rejected Chairman Buckley's request. Yeah. and um, uh, Plus you have a layout period. That... E- exactly. <laughs> um, and then there's a dozen ways they could have – there was a, po- a legitimate point of order in the bill analysis, which goes along with it. Um, and there's a dozen ways they could fix it. They had time, but the, uh, it appears that they opted to simply fix it in the middle of the night, uh, distribute it to the members without permission to do the changes, and then um, uh, the, um, uh, the point of order was no longer legitimate. Well, that's frankly, uh, since the rules do not encompass that, this is tampering with a government document, which can be a misdemeanor or a felony. Yeah. and um, the um, but, but the House rules don't speak to that. Do they they do not. Um, so there's a parliamentary inquiry uh, yesterday, and uh, the back and forth. It's a, it, it took about two minutes, but uh, for the first time in my life, the, the rules say if our rules do not address an issue, then we defer to congressional rules. Uh, first time I have ever heard that uh, in a in a point of order, yeah, and which means that if you're going to uh, be a, a rules master, you have to have two sets of rules to to default. Anyway, it was um, it, uh, it's cosmetic. They did not identify what congressional rule gave them the authority to change a government document, um, but um, it's it's essentially all documented. The bottom line is that you've got to have faith in in bill sections of bills not disappearing, sections of bill analysis not appearing. If the if the chairman had simply or the bill author had got simply gotten up and said, We found a problem and um uh we we fixed it um uh so we're gonna postpone till time certain thirty six hours or whatever it may be yeah. for the layout rule. Uh that would have been legitimate. Instead they chose to hide the P and um uh, those two kinds of things. You now have two chairmen who have misled their the the body in one form or fashion. I'm not even sure they in the education case. I'm not even sure that he knew it was in the bill. It was written to give more. Well, there were lots of radical changes in that bill. It was a maybe the most profound education code rewrite. Uh, in, a, in a decade. Hmm. Um, so it, it's pretty substantial. Yeah. And that was not going to be hard no matter what. Yes. It was
0: going to be a difficult vote no matter what. Right. And
1: yeah. um, and then you have an, the, the bill author in this case was not the chairman of that committee. But um, uh He is a chairman now, and ultimately the chairman are accountable to the speaker. The speaker is the one who maintains the integrity of the process. And so uh, I have no idea whether the speaker was even informed until after the fact that these were going to happen. It's hard for me not to to believe that he didn't know, but Mm. um, we pointed both of those out and said, uh, if you can't trust process in the house, uh, how do you, how do you move forward? I'm Harvey Kronberg, owner, uh, publisher, and chief bottle washer of The Quorum Report, Texas' oldest political publication for insiders and political professionals. We're celebrating our 40th anniversary this year. We were the first ones online delivering uh, news to political professionals in real time. The Quorum Report includes a news clipping service, which, if you're politically engaged, are the 36 stories you need to see every day. Plus original content, sometimes posted as frequently as ten or twelve times a day, and also occasional editorial analysis. You can find us at QuorumReport.com.
0: I saw some some tweets on this, and uh, and you know, the, a lot of uh, people were you know felt like this is the first time this is this has happened, and and and, and this kind of um, twisting of the you know of the rules. Um, I guess some people would say breaking the rules uh but I can remember so for our listeners and viewers so they understand what we just what you just described um well probably some people who aren't you know initiated into this process will probably say what <laughs> would you did you just say <laughs> but the but the idea is that there is a set of rules and you see them used in courtrooms And they have a gavel just like this. So does the lieutenant governor. So does the speaker. You follow those rules. They're very specific about how a bill goes through a process, what can happen in a bill. And it's not a simple thing. No. And matter of fact, um, a lot of times bills don't make it because they they fall outside the rules. Exactly. And um, just a very quick story. I learned my lesson... Early on in, <laughs> in my <laughs> lobby career, um, I, my first job was with the Texas Medical Association, and they gave me this bill. You'll remember this bill. It was a – Mike Moncrief was senator at the time. He had a bill to ban self-referral for, by physicians, which if, if self-referral is essentially a doctor would own an MRI unit or whatever and be, be constantly just sending patients to that MRI unit. So he he had this ban on it. Um, and it was all in the name of trying to trying to figure out the cost of healthcare and where is it going? Are we overusing? You know all that abuse and so forth. So I worked for the doctors, and my job was as a freshman lobbyist. You know, Kim Ross gives me this bill. Alfred Gilchrist they gave me this bill. Who are two of my mentors? I learned a lot from. This was one of those lessons, at, to uh, to work on it. So I spent almost five months negotiating it. I had people from all over the country, big, you know, private in, uh, private interests, doctors groups, patients. I mean, it, it was, I thought I had done a brilliant job <laughs> of negotiating <laughs> this
1: bill. How quickly our illusions are
0: disavowed. <laughs> oh, man, I thought, you know, this lobbying thing is, is you know, I can do this. And um, so I, I finally get a bill. And of course, Moncrief, you know, gets it out of the Senate, you know, quick, gone. We did have a, quote, compromise, right? And it was a compromise that everybody agreed to. Then it gets to the House, and uh, I'm down in the lobby uh, right outside the House with people that don't know. It literally is a lobby. It was right outside the House of Representatives, the floor, where we call people off. And I started working members, make sure everybody was cool, you know, and I'm pulling people off and so forth and someone leans over the banister which is the second floor right above the lobby and says hey your bill's coming up so i i'm like okay and i take two steps literally i'm leaping cuz i want to i want to see this happen right i've worked on this all session it's like this time of year right this is 1991 and i take two steps and i hear the gavel <laughs> and i think wait a minute there's nothing in the process in the rules why would the gavel Go down Because that's the end. That means the end of that action. Right. So I'm thinking, did it pass that fast? I mean, all this is going through my head. I run upstairs and I see my sponsor, Nancy McDonald from El Paso, walking back to her desk. And um, I couldn't figure out what happened. And it had been killed on a point of order in about three seconds. Right. And the person who taught me that lesson was a good friend of yours and mine. And I was just learning at the time a uh, lobbyist by the name of Louis Bakeries
1: mm-hmm.
0: who is a rules expert. Absolutely. Right. The expert of experts on rules. And he came to me with sort of a false flag operation and said in the lobby that day, I have to have this thing on the bill or I can't support it. And I, you know, made the mistake of saying there's nothing I can do and you can do what you have to do. Well, he did what he had to do. <laughs> killed the bill after almost 5 months of work. So I learned Right off the bat, rules matter. Yes. And um, – but also what I learned and kind of to some of the points that you're talking about is the rules are – you know, they're uh, – I don't want to say that they're a guideline, but they do spell out certain things for, for members, lobbyists, interest groups, everybody to follow – And if you go outside of those, there's a remedy for it. The remedy is a point of order on that bill or that section or whatever, and then the speaker can rule against it and and strike it. Right. And so um, you're always weary of that. You get more and more weary. They actually changed how bills were drafted since I started in that you have a legislative council that writes everything. Right. Because in the old days, we just – we type it up and the, the old cut and paste, where you literally cut out words and then pasted them onto the bill. And that was your bill. You sent that in and nobody checked, you know, yeah. and it was all out of order. It was, you know, but that was the way it was done. Now that you have an actual lawyer write these
1: things up. Well, <laughs> so the, uh, when I published the story, some of the old time lobbyists uh, pulled me aside laughingly and said, Hell, we used to do that all the time. Exactly. <laughs> That's what I was going to say
0: is that, you know, it's, it's not a, so I, when I'm, when I'm, and I'm, I'm looking at it from somebody who's been on the other side, right? I'm working to get something done, and I have, I have, twisted and tortured those rules as as best I can, you know. And then if I go too far, obviously they, they'll catch you, and you know, so you can't go too far. And so, but then it always get it has to get caught at some point. And so that's where I think you're talking is that it doesn't, it's not getting caught at the. At the point of no return, which would be at the speaker's desk. is that what you're saying Okay. Uh,
1: and ultimately, I, I, just to put a really fine point on it, uh, you rely on the parliamentarians. The parliamentarians are usually the ones you go to beforehand and say, "Is this going to fly?" And they'll give you—it may not be an—it's an, it's an informal, informal conversation, obviously. Right. They give you guidance. Uh, one former parliamentarian said, we're the psychotherapists for the members, um, <laughs> where they come, you know, complain or whatever. Um, and I, I'm not going to blame the the parliamentarians on this, but the tectonic moment uh, back in 2007, uh, uh, there was a chairman's revolt again then against then-Speaker Tom Craddock. Mm-hmm. And uh, he was torquing the rules and— um, Uh, overriding his parliamentarians, and at one point it got so bad that in the middle of a critical evening in terms of deadlines, the two parliamentarians simply got up and resigned because they were not going to be part of, of the distortion of the rules that he was asking them to do. Needless to say, he knew that this might be brewing, and he had two people off stage that were so we say ready to roll, more pliable. (laughs) And uh, so, within an hour and a half, there were two new parliamentarians on the uh, Mm. uh, on the speaker's dais.
0: Yeah, I I was many. We were all sitting in the gallery when all that happened because it was it was sort of this unprecedented thing. And it seems like every session we have some unprecedented things happen. And um, but you know, and I I think what 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 people from the outside and I say outside outside the legislative process looking in think is going on is not what's really going on mm-hmm. and you know for, for most of it I don't see it as graft I don't see that there is um you know I mean people are gonna torture the rules I did it sure you work it you do you work you work around the rules that's what you're that's what you do and um if you can you know you're not you know, you, you're never going to do something, and I'm not saying that, that hasn't happened. But you're going to, you're, you're not going to do something unethical or illegal, but you're going to torture those rules so that you can make things work for you. And I feel like this is what's, you know, this is kind of the next generation of the change in the rules, which is for the first time. Maybe this is the first time. I don't know because I'm like you. I'm not 100 percent sure that if the House rules or the Texas – or the, or the, the rules that, that govern the House don't speak to an issue, then you refer to the congressional rules. Now, I do remember that there has been rulings in which they'll say if, you, if, it, if it did speak to it, then they would refer to maybe a, a, I want to say maybe a lawsuit or uh, some other statute or something like that. But I don't know that they've ever referred to the congressional rules which means i got to do a lot more work now.
1: Well, yeah, so. <laughs> we, we had an outcome. This this felt like one of those in the battle, the wild west of the Texas House. The outcome was predetermined. They just had to figure out how to get there. Yeah. Our, our listeners and viewers may think this is all pretty de minimis, but there's an entire law firm called Legislative Council that's off camera. You never see them. Yeah. But when you've got a really gnarly problem that you're trying to divine, uh, you've got a group of lawyers that are in a whole separate office going through it, and um there's a lot of mischief that can doesn't typically happen with ledge council but ledge council if they say we need this point sustained they will uh, uh work at it uh yeah. and and frankly the this is a must pass bill this was the transgender gender affirming bill yeah. and uh from the republican perspective and the speaker had more or less said we are going to hear this bill bill today come hell or high water yeah. uh which suggests that there might have been some foreknowledge on that. Since then, by the way, the log that indicated a corrected bill had been sent to the members at 3.30 in the morning has been revised, and uh, we've got screenshots of it. It's uh, it's a little more explicit so that it pegs back to the congressional... Magic. Uh, it's magic. Yes. it's uh, Well, <laughs> in the, in, in, ironically, none of this was transparent 30 years ago. Uh, so a bill language could change, and you'd have to go through the That's manual right. copy to find... There was how, no... You, yeah, you couldn't cross-reference right. anything. So uh, the technology has made it uh, more difficult, obviously, and has increased transparency. Uh, we would have not discovered this uh, had had the mechanics of the process been so transparent. Yeah, It leaves, particularly the rural Republican caucus, very suspicion, suspicious of leadership and... The Democrats, um, you know, fought it hard, fought this bill hard. Uh, they did not want to see it happen, the transgender affirming bill. Uh, but um, uh, they seem um, more subdued this session. And maybe it's just they're picking it, – it, I, I give the speaker credit. He's not letting some of the most inflammatory stuff uh, that um, uh, he would uh, – uh, prior speakers might have let on the floor. Yeah. Um, but they're – uh the democrats perspective is uh the republicans are the majority they have to go home with three or four trophies um and so just don't make it two dozen trophies and uh yeah. my sense is although nobody's ever directly told me that uh this this is one of those
0: uh, it's a must it was a must
1: have yeah Yeah, and, definitely and every speaker is entitled to uh to fully support uh throw his weight behind a dozen bills or so but the other, you know, 5,000 rely on the will of the house.
0: Well, I think Harvey, we've, we've, we've probably made uh, every, all of our listeners and and viewers, the heads explode, Uh, (laughs) but it's important that they understand what goes on. And this is real. It happens all the time. It happens all through the session. And, um, uh, this has been, been a great session. We'll, 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 uh, we'll be, uh, back for another one here. I want to, next time talk about how some of these issues might impact uh some of the elections coming up some of these must-have issues so thanks again for, uh, for joining us on statehouse it's my pleasure if you're enjoying this podcast please subscribe to our youtube channel in addition consider subscribing on apple and spotify where you can leave us a five-star review if you're not already following us on social media you can find those links below in the show notes As always, thank you for your continued support, and we'll see you next time.